The Truth News Network. Since Gutenberg, we were warned not to trust what we read in the papers. At no time in history has that been more true than it is today. So where do you go for news you can trust? You turn to TNN, the Truth News Network, and the most trusted man in America, Dan Newman. Nobody can justly disagree with the fact that we have to be really careful where we source our news from. I mean, think about it. Everybody's in the tank, almost without exception. It is so unusual to turn on a television channel or turn on a radio station or even pick up a newspaper and have any confidence in what you're reading in the way of news being truthful. I'm jaded. I must be honest with you. I am totally jaded when it comes to news. Everything that I look at, listen to, or read regarding news, here's my fundamental perspective. What do they really mean in this story? Why don't they just settle for the fact that Americans are smart, we're tuned in, we understand our government, at least the basic structure it's supposed to exist in, and we know when things are clicking, and we also know when we're being lied to and things are straight and when they're not straight. We are not stupid people. I'm really tired of people treating us like we are. We have so many things to dive into this morning. As you know, there was kind of a, uh, a fake vote yesterday in the Senate regarding a federal legalization across the board of abortion. And it was symbolic only because Minority Leader Chuck Schumer wanted to put every Republican on display being against abortion. Of course, that's not what was at stake. This is exactly what we opened the show with, asking the question, when can you trust, if you can trust at all, what the news people tell you? This is not what we're dealing in right now today regarding this abortion thing. Roe v. Wade, that leaked opinion, draft opinion by Justice of the Supreme Court Samuel Alito that basically said we're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, speaking on behalf of the full court. This is not going to outlaw abortion in the United States. And they're screaming that over and over and over again. You're going to destroy women's reproductive rights. Nothing could be further from the truth. Now, we're going to get into some statistics. And I'm going to put this right down where everybody lives today, factually, on planet Earth, at ground level. And we're going to turn off the um, exclamation point the emotion in this conversation, and we're going to get right to the skinny of it all. Now, what's the skinny? (laughs) The skinny is ground level. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's where people really work and live. And it doesn't have anything to do with high-rise buildings in Manhattan or even flats in London or brownstones in Washington, D.C. It's the same Everywhere, truth lives in a vacuum. You can try to couch it. You can try to manipulate it. 
But the only way you're ever successful at doing that is when others let you get away with it. We don't do that here. In fact, we're exactly opposite, 180 degrees away. When we see something that's untruthful, we label it as untruthful. If we hear something that's a lie, we label it as a lie. And let me just be honest. There is no journalistic operation on the planet that is 100% accurate, that has absolutely no political perspective in any way. That's impossible. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. We live in a fair and free nation. Our structure is based on justice and liberty for all, not just for a few hand-picked ones. We all live by the same rules. At least that's what's supposed to be happening. We find out a little bit more every day that there is an elite class of Americans and other people around the world that they don't live to the same standards as the populace does in large. That's unfortunate. That's what our forefathers ran from when they fled from North and Western Europe to come to the free world, the new world, the United States of America, before it was the United States of America. Wanted to get away from that. We wanted to have government, real government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And guess what? That's exactly what our forefathers structured. And they framed it in the greatest constitution of any political entity in world history, the United States Constitution. It's all there. It's in plain writing. There is no provision in the Constitution for either the legality of abortion or the illegality of abortion. Did you get that? There is no A word, abortion word, in the United States Constitution. It and arguments and discussions about it are only in the context of the freedom that we have. That's all that's at stake here. And make no mistake about this, if during the month of June, when it's expected to come down from the United States Supreme Court, if the adjudication is that Roe v. Wade is unconstitutional and they throw it out the door, that's not going to make abortion illegal. It's not going to. What Alito made very clear in his opinion, the draft that he wrote, was this is the time that we are going to throw that abortion. And the, the do we want it or do we not want it? We're going to throw back into the states. You know, the representatives of the people, direct representatives in the states, and let the states decide, just like it had been decided that way for decades, before Roe v. Wade. Did you hear any of the content? Have you had a chance to read and find out any of the content of that fake rule, law, that the Senate kind of did a sample, let's see how everybody's going to vote, but this isn't a formal vote thing they did yesterday. Have you heard about what's in it? Well, you know, it's in legalese. I've got the PDF. I downloaded the PDF format, but let me give you a little bit, just a summary. Here's what 
was introduced yesterday in the Women's Health Protection Act of 2022. And again, this is a summary. I'll read it carefully because I want you to understand it's not very long. There's not a lot of content in the bill. Anyway, here's what the summary says. And this is from the United States Congress. They post this summary online. This bill prohibits governmental restrictions on the provision of and access to abortion services. Specifically, governments may not limit a provider's ability to, one, prescribe certain drugs, two, offer abortion services through telemedicine, or three, immediately provide abortion services when the provider determines a delay risks the patient's health. Furthermore, governments may not require a provider to, one, perform unnecessary medical procedures, two, provide medically inaccurate information, three, comply with credentialing or other conditions that do not apply to providers whose services are medically comparable to abortions, or four, carry out all services connected to an abortion. In addition, Governments may not require patients to make medically unnecessary in-person visits before receiving abortion services or disclose their reasons for obtaining such services or prohibit abortion services before fetal viability or after fetal viability when a provider determines the pregnancy risks the patient's life or health. The bill also prohibits other governmental measures that are similar to the bill's specified restrictions or that otherwise single out and impede access to abortion services unless a government demonstrates that the measure significantly advances the safety of abortion services or the health of patients and cannot be achieved through less restrictive means. The Department of Justice, individuals, or providers may bring a lawsuit to enforce this bill, and states are not immune from suits for violations. The bill applies to restrictions imposed both prior and subsequent to the bill's enactment. That's a summary. Did you get any great fuzzy warm feelings out of that, what that bill included? Let let me just give you this one summary point that really, really stood out big time to me. It's in the second section. It's number three in the second section. It says, furthermore, governments may not require a provider to comply with credentialing or other conditions that do not apply to providers whose services are medically comparable to abortions. No credentialing. Now, I've got a career in healthcare. 30 years. 30 years this month, actually, started a company, May the 2nd, 1992. I've got a lot of experience in it. I do know in the entire infrastructure of medical reimbursement, you know that thing where somebody's got to pay those medical bills and somebody's got to prepare the bill and send it to the appropriate payer to get it paid, yada, 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 yada. The number one necessity for getting any bill paid by any insurer, government or private, is credentially. The provider of any service has to be credibly credentialed 
and authorized by whatever the governing authority is for that particular location, could be just state, could be federal. And by the way, if you're a med- if you're if you're a healthcare physician or clinic or hospital and you accept Medicare patients and you accept the money that you get from billing Medicare for services you provide, everybody in your facility that provides any of these services must be credentialed. This bill would say governments may not require a provider to comply with credentialing or other conditions that do not apply to providers whose services are medically comparable to abortions. That was just the first fly in the ointment for me. The second is, I have heard all week, hey, let me just tell you this, I'm loaded for this. I am emotional today. I was emotional yesterday. And let me just say this about abortion. Let me tell you what my fundamental foundation for my opinion about abortion, where it comes from. I buried a granddaughter that died in her mother's womb. When you face something like this personally, where you experience it, all of the stuff that goes along with it, you know, Emerson was her name. Was she alive? Yes, she was alive. She had a heartbeat. She was developing in her mother's belly. She, we found out, had Turner syndrome. Check it out. I'm not going to get into what it is. It's a chromosomal disorder. And she died in Corey's womb. She was born. I drove up to that cemetery and I saw that little bitty white box holding the body of my granddaughter. Life is precious. And none of you listening to me would be listening to me if you weren't given the gift of life. You are listening to me in part, in large part, because nobody chose to abort you. All of this hoo-ha, this marching, this demonstrating, which, by the way, is a violation of federal law. Every one of those demonstrators that have been doing what they're doing in front of the homes of these justices of the Supreme Court they're doing that, is a violation of federal law. We read you the statute yesterday. And it's punishable by big fines and even imprisonment. Our attorney general, you know the one that swore the oath, swore the oath to protect and defend the Constitution and execute all of the job requirements for being an attorney general? Job number one should be making sure all of the executives in the federal government are protected from harm. Uh, A.G. Garland, that would extend to, you know, the justices of the Supreme Court. And you're allowing blocks away from where you sit every day. You're allowing people to harass. And maybe they're being nice about it. But the statute reads specifically, it's a violation of federal law for anybody to protest a judge or a lawmaker with the express purpose of influencing that judge's decision on a specific pending opinion. That would kind of apply here, don't you agree? 
So let me tell you what I did. I did some research yesterday. I heard all of the screaming yesterday. It's almost like in unison. People that are pro-abortion, people that are anti-life, people that don't agree that fetuses are not fetuses, they're babies, and just because that six-inch extension of the birth canal is the only difference between them being a fetus and a baby, there's no biological justification for that. That's what someone wants to do that wants to have permission to, at will, snuff out a life. What about the abortions? What about the people that get raped and they, they've, they've just got no other real choice but abortions? And this is going to mean that a woman that's raped and there's incest involved she won't have any possible way to turn to it. That's going to impact millions of Americans, millions and millions of people. That happens in droves every year. Well, guess what Dan did? I wanted to find out what the numbers were. You know, the recent numbers, like uh, last year. Okay. How many women are there in the United States today? We began the year this, this year with 170.4 million women. I understand a lot of those women are not childbearing eligible, so let's just say it's something less than 170 million. We don't know, and this kind of stupefies me. Our federal government, every state, have databases where they have people that make exorbitant amount of monies to keep up with statistics numbers so we can find a way to use those numbers against voters when we want the voters to not support something. We got them out the wazoo. And when it comes to things like rape, you would think we wouldn't be able to get close to the number of reported rapes in any year and the demographics of those who are raped. Geography, where it happens, who are the principal perpetrators, all of those kind of things. So you get facts, you can make real educated decisions about what to do, what not to do, what might change it if it's bad. You got to have all that information on the table to make good decisions. So what old Dan did, I even went to Google.com. I wanted to make sure I had a wide sweep to go grab some information. If you didn't know what I'm about to say, and if you weren't listening here today, what would you say the number, with 170 million women in the nation, how many people got pregnant last week? Last week, not last week, last year. How many people, how many women found themselves pregnant from being raped? You would think, one would think that the easy way to do it would be to start with how many rapes happen. When you look up the numbers for that, they range from in the thousands into the millions. That's what the stats say. What does that mean? That means they don't have or they don't report, they being our federal government, the actual numbers.
Okay. How many raped women is there any fact anywhere that reports how many people that are raped get pregnant? I found that number. Remember this, 170.4 million women in the U.S. 3,100 found themselves pregnant after being raped last year. 3,100 out of 170 potential candidates. Does that change your perspective just a little bit? So what is this all about? What is what is happening, what happened yesterday? What is it all about? Control. Control. There can be no other explanation for the uproar that is ripping this nation at its core. Divisiveness. And so they have to come up with the catchphrases every few months to try to legitimize this quest. And this is all it's about. It's about one and one thing only. The control to kill and be legally doing so if and when you do it. I am worn out on this abortion thing, pro-life, pro-choice. Oh, you know, we've got rape and incest. We've got to make provisions for that. And what about if if it's going to hurt the women? The statistics of women that die from complications during delivery are less than 1%. You can grasp for straws. You can make excuses. You cannot give anybody a justifiable, legitimate reason other than to have the control, unilateral control, to determine if the baby in your body is going to live or is going to die. Make no mistake about it. If that baby is aborted, it's a baby that died. It's not a fetus. What basis do you have for that, Dan? It's a simple, it's biology. We have a thriving young lady in our family that was born weighing 15 ounces Way premature, way premature. I can I can cite example after example like that. You have a woman that is vying for the top in the U.S. Senate race in the state of Pennsylvania. Her mother almost aborted her. How many of you that are listening today Did you ever hear a conversation in your family about that regarding the possibility for you when your mother was pregnant with you? Think about the people that we have missed. Think about the product, the productivity, the ingenuine abilities and talents 
that we don't have access to that were snuffed out by somebody that had the power, took the power, and destroyed life. Wow. What we are looking at today is a farce. It's a defamation of the legal process in the United States. And if this stands, if this does not make at least a 90-degree turn towards reasonableness, towards biology, towards science, if it doesn't do that and it continues down this road, we can look over our shoulders in history. There have been nations since the beginning of nations that it's okay for mass infanticide, abortions. No regard for the results. Just get rid of an obligation in every nation where it's ever happened and in every nation where it exists today, things don't go really well. We need to be really, really careful going down this road. Forget about the divisiveness that is out there that is purposely sowed by the far left to create a bigger divide. I could give you example after example from newspaper stories from interviews, television interviews over the last week or two about this, where people just go stark, raving, crazy with their hatred for anybody that's pro-life. I don't see much hatred from the pro-life side for those who are pro-choice. And when you think about it, who should be the only part of the pro-choice movement that has a voice on whether to abort or not. It should be the baby. Well, it's the mother's body. No, it is the mother's body, but inside the mother's body is another body. And when that heart starts beating, it's a living baby. You can try to couch it any way you want to. Facts are facts. You can't change the truth by changing an opinion. It doesn't happen. We live in a really tough spot right now. Everything that we normally take for granted in just living a life in the United States, it's no longer under our control. We have no control over any of it. And guess who's got it all? the United States government. We're going to bring you information this morning during the next hour and a half. It's going to make your hair stand on end. Stuff that is happening on the watch of this president, this administration, and while American citizens are looking in. And it's not good. And it's not getting any better. And it's not going to get any better. Late last night in Washington, D.C., about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, the House was in session having committee hearings. Congressman Mike Johnson, who you hear regularly on our show, he was on last week, he had the microphone and the discussion with his counterparts across the aisle in this meeting was about border enforcement and illegal immigration. 
And if you were with us last Friday, you heard Congressman and I have a little bit of a discussion about the stupidity, the insanity that's happening at our southern border. And I asked him his opinion of why the Democrats are allowing, and not just allowing, they are, I mean, promoting this flood of illegal immigration coming across our southern border. And Mike went back to uh, D.C. in this committee hearing last night, and he asked the same questions. Listen to the Democrat woman who goes back and forth with Mike Johnson, and then, of course, there's uh, the Penguin from New York. He is the committee chairman, and he pipes up. But listen through this entire thing. It's about four or five minutes. But listen to the Q&A and listen to the summary at the end of it. And you'll understand one reason why I today am so freaking frustrated about all of this insanity, which basically fundamentally comes from trampling all over the rule of law. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, It's late. It's almost 10 o'clock. I don't know. I think we've been at this for about 10 hours and it's been a long day. We had a 22 vote series. Not complaining, just explaining why we're all a little bit haggard. But I tell you what, it's the issue that's really got us worn out. And and I, I just genuinely wanted to ask a question of my colleagues here, because both of you are here in good faith, and I and I respect you as individuals. And I, I want to ask you a question of what my constituents asked me. Could the Democrats in charge, and certainly Democrats here with jurisdiction over the border, could they really be in favor of an open border? And I, I'm I, I'm asking you honestly and in good faith. What yeah. is the purpose? Well, I, the would gentleman, yeah. I would love to hear your explanation on this. I personally, and I think I speak for most of my party, I believe that um, we ought to have an orderly system uh, where uh, people who enter the United States do so uh, in an approved manner, uh, and that we have a system, including the court system, that is orderly and well-administered. Um, I think... Part of that is having a system that works, uh, that is functional, which is far from the existing legal system. And we have have been um, unsuccessful, even though we've come close from time to time, in actually updating the immigration laws. I mean, we're basically following the structure that was devised in 1965, and it does not well meet the needs of American business or American families, and that has contributed to the disorder, which I think all of us would like to fix. I appreciate it. i got to move quickly because I don't have that much time, but isn't having a secure border the first and essential component to having a system that works? I'll tell you this. We now spend more on immigration enforcement than all other federal law enforcement combined. Well, it's not and being used to secure Demo- the border. Democrats have voted for that repeatedly, as have Republicans. I don't mean to say it's only Democrats <clears throat> who have voted that money for enforcement. But Ms. Ms. Locker, have, i, I, I got I to use my time. I appreciate um, that. But, I mean, clearly, asked, whatever the so investment is, it is not securing the border. Can I ask, Mr. Chairman, you're from New York. Thanks to New York City's council, um, Beginning January 9th, 2023, more than 800,000 non-citizens will be eligible to vote in municipal elections in New York. Is that, do you agree with that policy? No, nor, uh, eligi- non-citizens will not be eligible to, to vote in New York. 
They never have been. Well, they, they were prior, in the 19th century eligible to vote in New York. Well, no, this is and a recent action. It was just no, passed in no, December. No, that, that is not correct. Uh, Non-citizens uh, have not been eligible to vote in New York or, for, as far as I know, in any other state uh, since the 19th century. That's not true. The New York City Council voted in December to allow this. It begins January 9, 2023. Cities in Vermont and Maryland already allow this, and similar measures are under consideration in Illinois, Maine, and, and uh, Massachusetts right now. If the gentleman will yield? Yes. Uh, I believe those are um, considerations of allowing votes in municipal elections only. Right, but, but th th thank you, that's the point. <laughs> Everybody wants to know at home, why would they allow this? Guys, they're allowing it because they're gonna turn them into voters. They already are doing this in New York City, largest city in America, and this is the plan of our friends on this side to turn all the illegals into voters. That's it, folks. That's what's going on. That's the game. That's why the border's open. That's why they've dropped it. Look, I, I respect Ms. Lofgren and all her work in this arena. Yes, I'll, I'll yield, Mr. Chairman. I'd love to hear what you have to say about this. As a New Yorker, I would love to think that New York is the entire country, but it is not. <laughs> it is not, and consideration is being given to uh, uh, permitting uh, non-citizens to vote in New York, and I believe in, uh, in uh, the capital city of Vermont. I forget which that is. Uh, but it, as, as much as I'd like to believe it, New York and Vermont are not the entire country. But, Mr. Chairman, that's the whole point. This is what's going on, folks, at home. If you're trying to figure this out, if you're scratching your heads, you're seeing the video, you see droves of people, 2.4 million people coming over the border illegally, the president allowing, the Democrats in charge of Congress are allowing it, the deal is they're going to turn them into voters. You just heard it. They don't have any problem with that. They celebrate it. Here's the deal. We have a problem with it. The Constitution has a problem with it. American elections should be decided by American citizens. That's it. That's what, that's what this is about. That's why we're jumping up and down and screaming, my friends on the video who are commenting about this. That's why we're so upset, because our constituents are, 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 are frightened that we are losing our country. We're losing our security. We're losing our sovereignty, because we're going to allow people from 160 different countries around the world to come in here and decide our elections. That's it. Here it is on record. You all heard it. I'm out of time. I yield back. Mic drop by Mike, <laughs> Congressman Mike Johnson. That was Jerry Nadler, the uh, inept guy that is the chairman of that committee in the House, and he was in another world. Oh, no. I mean, he's from New York. He's been in Congress from Manhattan for 30 years. Oh, there's nobody. You can't, you can't vote in New York if you're, uh, if you're not a citizen. Well, yeah, they made it. It's a big scandal. It's happening across the nation. It's all about getting them to vote. The Democrat Party in its normal formation from the last 200 years, it's toast. People are abandoning the party, going more conservative every day. Even the groups that the Democrats have maintained through decades that they own their voting rights People like the Hispanics, people like Native Americans, and people like African Americans. They're abandoning the Democrat Party because the Democrat Party is not a party of the people. And the Democrat Party leader? Oh my gosh, Joe Biden? Somebody tell me, somebody send me a text, somebody send me an email. What the heck has Joe Biden 
done that's good for America. Give me one thing. He is good at one thing. Really good. Better than anybody. Flooding the United States with illegal immigrants. Nothing changes if nothing changes. We've got lawlessness out the wazoo. People are being pilloried in their private lives, business lives, all across our southern border. And that's because of Joe Biden. And he talks about, oh, you know, we're taking control. We have Alejandro Mayorkas. And he appears before these committees. He's nothing but an empty suit. Joe Biden is nothing but an empty suit. They're not going to change anything. And guess what, folks? Nothing changes if nothing changes. That phrase, there's no other place that's more appropriate than the travesties that are playing out every day at our southern border. The real question should be, do we actually have a southern border? I mean, geographically, one's there. But to this president, it's as if there is no border. And even if there is, the Biden administration from top to bottom has been warned to view the border as figurative rather than a real border. What could be more dangerous than what we know is happening down there? I guess an appropriate answer would be what's more dangerous than what we know is happening at the border is what we don't know what's happening there. Let's face facts. This president is hell-bent on opening the border, keeping it open, and flooding our nation with whatever comes across in the possession of whoever comes across. Sadly, the fact that this is even a policy that would be under consideration, you know, doing away with the southern border, that would be bad enough, but it is a policy of this administration that flies directly in the face of the United States Constitution and federal immigration laws. Worse still is that from this president all the way to the bottom of the White House hierarchy, Public servants who each swore an oath to the Constitution and the rule of law are just ignoring their oaths and they're ignoring the rule of law. For each of these, doing so is a felony violation of federal law. And not only are these impeachable offenses, they're also each prosecutive. You can be prosecuted for this, all offenders, including, by the way, President Biden. While a federal court has stayed the Biden administration's attempt to lift the pandemic-prompted restrictions on immigrants pouring across the border, that's just one setback and a largely successful push by the president to make it easier for migrants to enter, live, and work here in the United States. Not doing it the legal way. Since his first day in office, when he signed seven executive orders on immigration that, among other things, suspended deportations, ended the Trump administration's Remain in Mexico program that had eased the crush of those awaiting for asylum hearings, this president has in word and deed sent signals that migrants have interpreted around the world, not just Mexico and Central America, around the world. They interpret the signals out of this White House as, welcome, come on in. 
Biden's initiatives include he revived the Obama-era policy known as catch and release, paroling illegal border crossers so they can enter the country, resettling migrants through secret flights around the country and bus trips, and ending the no-match policy that had helped the government identify people who were using fraudulent credentials to work. At the same time, the administration has deflected any responsibility for this surge of migrants. Initially, Biden's team claimed there was no spike in immigration. Jen Psaki said it from the White House press podium over and over and over again. There's no spike. It's transitory. We have seasons throughout history where more immigrants come across the border than other times. She changed her terminology a little bit and started calling it cyclical and seasonal trends. Even as a record number of migrants from around the world were streaming across the border, Saki declared last year the border remains closed. Last week, Secretary of Homeland Security, my favorite guy, well, right next to Fauci, Alejandro Mayorkas, last week said the administration had effectively managed the border crisis while also blaming a broken and dismantled system that their administration inherited from Donald Trump. Many people on the front lines of the border, where a record 1.9 million people were apprehended during fiscal year 2021, hundreds of thousands of whom were then just released into the country. Those people on the border say the Biden administration's policies have exacerbated the surge. We're stopping nobody coming into our county. That's Clint McDonald, the executive director of the Texas Southwestern Texas Border Sheriff's Coalition. We have no idea who is in our country. McDonald and others blame what they see as an ideological crusade by Biden and his gang to dissolve or ignore various laws, cherry-picking laws and regulations that once checked or limited the influx of illegals, whom the administration now refers to as, quote, irregular migrants. (laughs) They're federal criminals when they walk in. We don't know how else to put it, said Spencer Rayleigh, the director of research for the Federation of American Immigration Reform, which favors curbs, limits on illegal immigration. Since the day he took office, Biden has not signed a policy that would enhance border security. Instead, everything that's been put into place was designed not just to undo the Trump administration policies, but to reflect an unending desire to bring more and more people into our country. Biden's presidential campaign was perhaps more transparent about his intentions than the official line since he was inaugurated. At several points back in 2020, the campaign signaled that enforcement of the U.S. border would be significantly relaxed and opportunities for amnesty expanded. Their criticism of the Trump administration's allegedly harsh border policies was a staple of Biden and his fellow Democrat candidates throughout that election year in 2020. And just within hours of taking office, Biden began to make good on his signals, moving aggressively against 
the existing infrastructure that dealt with illegals at the border. In addition to temporarily suspending deportations and ending remain in Mexico, he issued an executive order stopping work on Trump's border wall. Policy memos from Homeland Security also gave Customs and Border Protection and ICE agents more latitude in how they handle people encountered crossing the border without papers. These new policy directives effectively ended ICE's usual practice of taking custody of immigrants released from local or state jails and placed more restrictions on the ability of federal authorities to even arrest illegal immigrants. During Trump's last three months in office, 90 days, apprehensions along the border held steady at an average of 75,000. 75,000, that sounds horrendous to me. But compare that. In the first two months of Biden's tenure, that number shot up 120%, reaching 213,593 in one month last July. Three times the total number that were allowed in three months in the Trump administration. Despite these sharp increases, Biden and his gang continued its relaxed border policies agreements the Trump administration had reached with Mexico and Central American countries known as asylum cooperative agreements, which were designed to constrict the flow of immigrants. Biden folks scrubbed them so that immigrants no longer needed to request asylum in the first country they enter after they leave their home country. Little things like that just kind of slip under the rug. We don't know about them. The administration also reinstituted an Obama-era policy known as catch and release. It moved in the opposite direction of the Trump administration by lifting travel bans on some countries. Bans, by the way, that were upheld by the Supreme Court. Biden's team had also expanded the list of countries whose residents can be granted temporary protected status, which, what it does, it stops deportation because those countries are deemed unsafe and extended the safe harbor period for residents of nine covered countries. The Pew Research Center estimated last year at least 700,000 immigrants from 12 countries were covered by that program. And those countries include Haiti, El Salvador, Venezuela, and Yemen. And guess who comes from Yemen? Rebels. Rebels. Islamic terrorists. They're coming to the United States across our southern border. Oh, my gosh. The Biden administration once again has expanded the ability of Border Patrol and ICE to grant illegal immigrants what is known as parole. Although the law granting this power is very specific, it allows the government to temporarily admit people on a case-by-case basis for urgent humanitarian or medical reasons. Various administrations have interpreted the law differently. Biden, they reversed Trump's strict interpretation of the language, reverting to the policy in place under guess who? Barack Obama that allows much wider discretion for granting parole to accept hundreds of thousands of migrants. Some states have challenged the Biden administration's expansion of parole, although those cases are still being litigated. In another 
policy change that facilitates illegals. The Social Security Administration very quietly announced on its website last May, a year ago, that it was going to stop, they were going to cease to issue what are known as no-match letters. Those letters informed employers of discrepancies between its records and information provided to the employer by the employees. Critics of the system said it targeted immigrants and claimed the letters were often sent in error. Social Security Administration reportedly sent 791,000 no-match letters in 2020. we got to stop that. That's a waste of time. And so they did. The Biden administration has even further euphemized liberals' use of language regarding immigration. Advocates of more open border policies, they much prefer undocumented aliens to illegal immigrants. But now even that has been abandoned for a brand new phrase. We gave it to you a few minutes ago. They call them now irregular migrants. You can change the name. As Sarah Palin said famously in her campaign for vice president, you can put lipstick on a pig, but it's still a pig. You can call it whatever you want to. It's felony illegal immigrants. We reached here. We reached out to Homeland Security, also to Customs and Border Protection and ICE, for comment on the overall impact of these Biden administration policies. Nobody returned a call. Most recently, the Biden administration insisted ending that infamous Title 42. That comes from a 1944 public health law that the Trump administration used to limit illegal immigration during the COVID pandemic. Experts predicted its removal would lead to a tsunami of more illegal immigrants and at least 10 congressional Democrats, including those up for re-election this year, such as Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock, they have voiced their reservations about lifting Title 42. When pressed last month on the reasoning behind the plan to do away with Title 42, White House spokesperson Vedant Patel said, quote, as always is the case, This administration is working every day to provide relief to immigrants, restore order, fairness, and humanity to our immigration system, and bring it into the 21st century. Critics such as Raley of the Federation for American Immigration Reform say such language shows that Biden's team sees the issue from the perspective of migrants rather than that of American citizens. They're changing the terms because they want to conflate illegal immigrants at the southern border with legal immigration. There have been rumblings that Republicans might move to impeach Mayorkas if they get control of the House next year. In spite of that, most of the pushback to this administration's immigration policies have come from a few of these states. Lawsuits filed by Texas, Louisiana, Ohio, Arizona, Alabama, and Montana have sought to check ICE's refusal to take custody of immigrants that are released from prison. Another suit this week seeks to block the administration's plan to give asylum-granting powers 
to U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services employees rather than immigration court judges where they have to go to have a case adjudicated. Why? Because they're in the nation illegally. They broke federal law when they came across the border. The administration claims the new rule would streamline the process, help unclog a huge backlog in immigration court of nearly 1.7 million cases. Lawyers for the state of Texas contend the rule violated the Administrative Procedures Act and unduly shifts power from immigration courts to those workers, the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services workers. Their lawsuit argues the proposed rule upends the entire adjudicatory system to the benefit of the lawbreakers, the illegals. In some instances, most recently with the effort to lift Title 42, the Biden folks have been rebuffed in court, as it was last year when a federal appeals court rejected its effort to end the Remain in Mexico policy. The Supreme Court heard arguments on that case last month. The impact of the Biden policies, the impact is clear to would-be migrants around the world. Sheriff's Coalition leader McDonald said there is a widespread idea among them that the border is open. Last week, illegal immigrants on the Rio Grande wanted to take pictures with sheriff's deputies that they encountered. They were FaceTiming people back in their home countries, shouting, we're here, you can come. They know our government is not going to do anything to stop it. McDonald spent 21 years as a sheriff of Terrell County, Texas. And when he first won his badge, he said that perhaps two corpses a year would be found along the border. Last year, it was 22. It's just unreal, he said. Some of these small counties can't even cover their morgue bills anymore. I got a really short summary. How many Americans got to die or have their property destroyed, their livelihood obliterated, their sons and daughters assaulted, and jobs taken from them before this president will take responsibility for this charade that he has unilaterally enacted? I guess a better question for Americans, how long will you let this insanity continue? Know this. The answer is written on the walls of marble all over Washington, D.C. 535 duly elected representatives of the people who elected them are constitutionally solely charged to create all laws by which we are governed. Once approved and then signed into law by whoever sits in the Oval Office, that person has the sole power and the responsibility to execute each and every one of those laws. Period. No exceptions. Suppose the people feel the laws are wrong, need editing, or simply need to be deleted and replaced with something better. Guess what? There's a legal process to do just that. Not only do those 535 know what needs to be done, but they also swore an oath to their constituents to do just that. If they refuse to do their jobs, if they refuse to do what they swore an oath to do, they should be removed and replaced, period. No other conversation. 
Anything short of that is a denial of the rule of law. And without that, we have no nation. Without borders, we have no nation. And that especially includes Joe Biden. Joe Biden, he's doing things every day that are impeachable. If people want to look back at what Trump was impeached twice for and compare to what Joe Biden has been doing, there's no comparison. I have to apologize to my grandkids for what's happening on our watch. We, the people, have got to stop it. It's movie season. We count down your favorite movie classics, including When Harry Met the Bathroom, Close Encounters of the Third Bathroom, A River Runs Through the Bathroom. For someone suffering with sucrose intolerance, a favorite movie often ends in the bathroom. If you're experiencing chronic diarrhea, gas, stomach pain, and bloating, remember, sucrose intolerance, or CSID, can be diagnosed by your doctor with the aid of a sucrose breath test. Visit sucroseintolerance.com. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? Yes. And this? Yes. And what about this? You're there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. You love chocolate. Mmm, chocolate. You love M&M's. Oh, yes. But your tastes have grown up, and you're just not wild about super sweet milk chocolate. So you've been avoiding M&M's. Yeah. Well, fear no more. Huh? M&M's Dark Chocolate to the Rescue. My heroes! M&M's Dark Chocolate Candies. Available wherever fine candies are sold. Could switching to GEICO really save you 15% or more on car insurance? Did the little piggy cry wee, wee, wee all the way home? Your home. Oh, cool. Thanks, Mrs. A. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Fake news, spin, anger, violence. How do you sort through the chaos? You tune in to TNN, the Truth News Network. Truthnewsnet.org. So, hey, before we get off this illegal immigration thing, this just popped into my inbox. This kind of is a... Um, ho-hum story in light of what we know and are watching happen every day down south as our overdose-induced deaths skyrocket to record highs across the U.S. Guess what the Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, what they have done, they have very quietly relocated a plane fundamental to any narcotics operations in Mexico. Think about that. Now, here's some details. The plane was moved to Texas after Mexican officials revoked its parking spot. (laughs) 
<laughs> the move coincides with new data published by the CDC that shows over 100,000 Americans have died of drug overdoses in 2021, which is a 15% increase from 2020, a 30% increase from 2019, driven largely by what? The use domestically of fentanyl and methamphetamine. The primary source of all this, of fentanyl and fentanyl-related substances trafficked into the U.S., is China. The drug is often smuggled into the country at the southern border. That's according to the DEA. Border officials have seized record amounts of fentanyl from traffickers just this year. So this drug plane's removal impacts our ability to combat organized crime inside the country, which could delay the extraditions of high-ranking cartel leaders. The DEA has had an aircraft based in Mexico since the early 90s to help carry out anti-cartel operations and transport both U.S. and Mexican agents in critical raids. It'll bring things to a halt, one of the security sources said. We can't drive through parts of Mexico. It's too dangerous. The plane's relocation is the latest blow to join operations between U.S. and Mexico to fight drug smuggling. Relations have deteriorated since Mexican President Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador took office in 2018. (laughs) It just continues and goes on and on and on and on. There's no end in sight. You want to hear some more insanity? What's the most important thing happening on the planet? What is it? What's the most important thing happening on the planet today? There are a lot of people that will say it's a war in Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia. Well, you know that we we agreed to send a bunch more money to Ukraine. $40 billion in aid. That's in addition to what we've already done. $40 billion, B with the B. That aid package is destined for Ukraine. It's the largest giveaway to a foreign country ever. At a time when Americans are suffering here at home, and for the first time, the administration's getting a lot of pushback, criticizing the government for doing this and especially doing it in this amount. Think about it. What's happening here to us, citizens in our own country? Hmm. Stephen Miller, you remember him from the Trump administration. He was an advisor. He didn't hold back when he was on Fox News' Tucker Carlson last night, blasting what he describes as a fetish of Washington politicians who care more about the problem of foreigners than their actual constituents. Look at what they are letting happen at our southern border. In three years, 600,000 felonies committed against Texans in three years by illegals. That's one state. Miller didn't hold back. He didn't. Carlson delivered a stinging verbal caning to Republicans who support this package in his opening monologue last night. He named names of those who once again assume the position out of fear 
as he described it, being criticized. They don't want the New York Times to write stories about him. Among those he singled out, former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., and a potential 2024 presidential candidate, Nikki Haley, Republican Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who was once again dog-walked by Speaker Nancy Pelosi about this legislation. You gotta hope there's some sincere billionaire out there who's gonna fund a primary challenge against every single one of these Republican senators standing next to Mitch McConnell, Tucker said, quoting the Kentucky Republican I think we all agree that the most important thing going on in the world right now is the war in Ukraine. I'll raise my hand real quickly and say, no, 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 no. It's not Ukraine. The most important thing going on in the world right now is the state of our country. The one that these guys are supposed to run. The people you're supposed to represent. Whose lives you're supposed to care about. The ones who can't buy food or gas the people overdosing on fentanyl, 107,000 in a year, dead, young people, Americans. That is the most important thing going on in America today. But that's nothing compared to Ukraine. We all agree Ukraine is the most important thing, he added. Really? If you agree with that, you shouldn't be sitting in the U.S. Senate as a Republican. It was then in the show, Tucker brought in Stephen Miller, saying that he couldn't think of a clear middle finger to Republican voters that what happened last night, referring to the House passage of the Ukrainian aid bill, which passed overwhelmingly, by the way, 368 to 57, soon will be rubber stamped by the Senate on its way to Biden's desk to sign. Miller said, well, sadly, what you're seeing and what I've learned firsthand for many years in D.C. is that the tears of American families do not move the hearts of Washington politicians in all too many cases. You talked about some of this in your monologue. 107,000 young Americans, mostly killed by drugs, coming across our wide-open border. Those tombstones, they litter the landscape of the nation. There's no bill for them. We have gangs pouring across our border, terrorizing our schools like MS-13. Do you know... This year, we only spent $1 billion, $1 billion on the salaries of ICE deportation officers, $1 billion to get rid of gangs, drug dealers, and the criminals murdering our children, $1 billion, but $40 billion in one bill for Ukraine. There are moms who are going to go to sleep tonight who will not be able to get formula for their children, including moms whose kids have severe allergies. And the one formula they need is not on that store shelf. And they face the excruciating choice of giving their kid a formula they know they'll have an allergic reaction to. That's happening across America right now. No bill for them. The wheels of justice don't turn for them because there is a fetish in D.C. for citizens in foreign countries, the affairs of foreign countries, the adventures of foreign countries. That's what moves the heart of Washington, not the tears of our own people. Couldn't have said it better myself. Did you see any of Joe Biden's speech yesterday? He was at a union convention and he gave a, just a, I mean, rambling, off the chart 
stuff that he said didn't make any sense. Worst that I've ever heard. He screamed and he hollered. <laughs> he just made himself look uh, very unpresidential. I'm going to get into that right after this. Have you heard about Blank Slate yet? It's the best board game. In fact, Blank Slate has quickly become the new favorite with everybody around here. It's very simple. Unlike other games, no one gets embarrassed. Blank Slate is all about having fun, right? That's what we want. It's perfect for when you get the fam together or play with friends online because it's a game that everyone can get into. And if you need proof, just check out any of the hundreds of five-star reviews. It's basically selling out. So get Blank Slate now at Target, Barnes & Noble, or wherever you buy games. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan High Efficiency Water Softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. Itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months of participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. I like that song. I like that kind of music. Average white band. That's cut the cake. That's a great way to get back into our story today. I've, I uh, I uh, took a, s- a couple of swallows of water during the break, and I'm trying to cool down a little bit. I've been somewhat animated today talking about these very emotional things that are impacting the lives of every American, and our government seems to not really care. You know what? Um, and I'm not going to go into the details of this story Everybody understands Joe Biden, when he was campaigning, he made it very clear after he was inaugurated, he made it even no clear, more clear. He is anti-fossil fuel and he has been assaulting every part of the fossil fuel industry, every entity that's involved in it. And the big thing, of course, has been from the very beginning, leasing of federal lands for the purpose of harvesting fossil fuel, gas and oil. We know, we made it very clear, we've had people that are in the corporate towers of these fossil fuel companies explaining to you what the Biden policies have done in strangling their entire industry. That's the reason why you're paying $4.14 a gallon for gas today. It's not because 
of Vladimir Putin. It's because of Joe Biden. And he made another stupid decision yesterday. There was a planned lease sale for more than a million more acres up in Alaska of prime fossil fuel production. And it was set to go today. They were going to auction the leases off. It was going to bring in millions of dollars for the federal government. But guess what they did? They canceled it. Joe Biden canceled it yesterday. Why? Oh my gosh, we're flowing with oil. I mean, Joe Biden, he's putting millions of oil in circulation coming from the reserves, emergency reserves that we Americans are supposed to have to protect us when things really get bad. And every million barrels of oil, you know what that amounts to? (laughs) It doesn't even make a blip on the radar screen of the amount of oil that we use, that we need to use for our energy purposes. And of course, what did they do? Oh, they're all into this Green New Deal crap. We're going to make this nation environmental friendly and we're going to starve you to death while we do it. We're going to drive you out of business. We're going to put millions of you out of work, but we're going to be environmentally friendly. What a great policy. That's really working well for Uncle Joe, isn't it? (laughs) Oh my gosh. If you want to be environmentally friendly, according to Mayor Pete, and he's a very responsible, educated, intelligent guy. I mean, he, He's got all kind of experience guiding people in government. He was the mayor of that metropolis, South Bend, Indiana. His claim to fame is Notre Dame's there. That's about it. But he can tell you this, and he did, and he still does over and over again. The way to handle this, the way to get on top of these gas prices, buy an electric car, get away from that fossil fuel stuff. Hey, How do you get the materials to build the battery for an electric car? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever seen it? it, Just do this. Sometime during the show, go to your computer and just do a Google search. Picture of the mines from which the minerals come from to make car batteries. You know what you're going to see? You're going to see a massive acres and acres of wide and deep hole in the ground. You'll see all these massive big excavation trucks rolling around up at the top of it, big heavy-duty equipment, getting those minerals. (laughs) Every one of those operates on diesel. (laughs) But you, you, I mean, if you, you don't have to pay for that. Those companies that are doing the mining, they're going to pay for that. You just go you just go buy an electric car. Then you don't have to stop for gas anywhere. <laughs> I would say something really tacky about Mayor Pete and what he said. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> this is so insane. It's absolutely stupid what we're seeing play out in this administration. And just when you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. Yesterday, did you see any of that speech to the unions that he gave? I'm going to quote President Biden. He got really, it was an hour and a half into the 
at least the speech and the introductions and all that kind of stuff lasted about an hour and a half, actually a minute, an hour and 37 minutes. Here's what he said. Remember those long lines you'd see in a television and people lining up in all kinds of vehicles just to get a box of food in their trunk? How quickly they forget people were hurting. Biden's screaming by the time he gets to that point. He got angry at, guess who, Republicans, accusing them, not caring about Americans who were still struggling. And what did the MAGA crowd want to do? Forget it. Forget it. He spoke about his political opponents at the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers International Convention in Chicago. God, he said, this is the United States of America. The idea that people would have to wait in line an hour, an hour and a half, to get a box of food in their trunk is just unbelievable. He said he frequently recalls seeing footage of food lines in America during the coronavirus pandemic as schools were distributing free food to people in the community. Of course, he blamed President Trump for increasing the budget deficit. Under my predecessor, the great MAGA King, that's his new name for Donald Trump, MAGA King. Under him, the deficit increased every year as president. Biden claimed Republicans are dead wrong for blaming him for inflation and defending the over $3 trillion in government spending in his first year as president. Here's his explanation. Here's his reasoning. I'm going to give you a direct quote. It's three um, segments of a sentence. You might want to write this down. Emblazon it somewhere in your home to make sure your kids see it every day. It explains what Joe Biden is all about and everything he does in this administration. You ready? You got your pen ready? Here we go. Quote, this is about fairness. It's about dignity. It's about fiscal responsibility. Oh my gosh, when I heard him say that, my heart just leapt within my chest. I couldn't contain my emotion. He forgot to mention um, his own policies that created record high inflation, proposing that more government spending would actually help lower inflation. Here's his secret plan. I've got a plan to lower the cost for everyday things that make most people who work to have, who need, and that would fundamentally change the standard of living if we made things more affordable. That, uh, I'm going to read that again. This explains everything that's going on in the Biden administration. Quote, I've got a plan to lower the cost for everyday things that make most people who work to have, who need, and that would fundamentally change the standard of living if we made things more affordable. This guy doesn't have a clue on what it takes to make things more affordable. He's never worked outside of a law firm or a political office in his entire freaking life. He never made a payroll. He never had to balance a checkbook. He never had to live based upon a paycheck. 
He doesn't relate to Americans, and everything he does in his policies points to that. How can we expect things to get better in the United States without change? Nothing changes if nothing changes. I don't know. I talked with Congressman Johnson. You probably heard the interview last week. He's gonna. We're going to talk again, hopefully tomorrow. He said we would get together after he watched the uh, 2000 Mules movie. Said he was going to watch it this week. Based upon his being in the House in a hearing last night at 10 o'clock, I don't know if he's got a chance to watch the movie, but we discussed this very thing. He has no, he being Biden, has no link to the reality of living. Absolutely none. Nothing. Barack Obama had a greater handle on life for Americans than does Joe Biden. And his answer for everything, when he's questioned for anything that he does, anything that he doesn't do, and the results of his actions that he takes on all of these things, when he's confronted, he never one time has taken accepted responsibility for anything. He blamed inflation, still does, on the pandemic. The pandemic had been under underway for more than a year when Joe Biden took office. We didn't have any inflation under Donald Trump his last year in office. There was none. It only happened when everything Biden promised he was going to do when he was inaugurated began to roll out between Election Day and January 20th when he became the president. Immediately after the election, things started changing. Businesses were listening and watching and hearing and seeing what Joe Biden was going to do to them. And everybody began to change. Everybody began to pull back. All of our growth started way before January 20th. This is the guy that is running our nation. This is a guy that, believe it or not, is a Catholic. Years ago, he was pro-life. All good Catholics are pro-life. The Catholic Church is big time pro-life, anti-abortion. He is so far in the tank for abortion now, it's just unexplainable. There's only one reason he could be doing that, and that's for political power. Those people get up every day. They walk out on the street in D.C., they lick their finger and hold it up in the air, and the way they're going to govern today is based totally on the way the wind's blowing on that finger. And it can change on a dime, and it does change on a dime. And Democrats and their minions on the far left, they are looking for ways to advantage personally on every opportunity that they can. They take. Very few of them are givers. In the midst of this question mark that's over everything in our lives regarding Roe v. Wade and its potential overturning next month, people are actually thinking, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're going to lose a bunch of revenue if they do away with abortions because it's going to go back to the states individually to legalize or 
keep it or make it illegal in those states, we're going to have to find ways to adjust the dollars. Well, California Governor Gavin Newsom, he's got a plan. He announced it yesterday. He's going to spend an additional $57 million on abortions for uninsured out-of-state residents who come to California to have abortions because of restrictions on abortions in their own state. $125 million bucks. That's over and above what he proposed in January. The new spending comes ahead of the anticipated decision that the court, Supreme Court will overturn Roe v. Wade. With news of the probable decision, Newsom vowed to build a firewall around the state to protect abortion, proposing an amendment to the state constitution that grants the right to an abortion to replace the federal one. Yesterday, he added, the state's going to spend on abortions for uninsured visitors as well as on a California Reproductive Justice and Freedom Fund for pro-abortion community organizations, a reproductive rights website, and research on the, quote, unmet needs for reproductive health care services. Newsom also proposed a package of business incentives to encourage companies to relocate to California to take advantage of the state's liberal abortion laws. I got to be honest with you. If I've got a company, which, which I do, and I have, you know, a few hundred employees, it would be a heck of a lot easier and a heck of a lot less expensive for me to buy a plane ticket for somebody to fly to California and get an abortion than it would be for me to move my company to California. This guy, he breathes the same air as does Gavin Newsom and Joe Biden. They're breathing the same air. <laughs> and what their air, what they're breathing it's got a whole lot more crap in it than the air that I'm breathing in Louisiana. Oh my gosh, what is this world coming to? Where are we going? I need a drink. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, you know, we're an hour and a half almost into the show, and we're not even half through the show. <laughs> There's much, much more ahead. Don't you go anywhere back after this. It's Thursday. We got another day. We'll be here tomorrow, 9 o'clock to 11 a.m. tomorrow morning, every Monday through Friday. More in just a minute. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Dear Daddy, dear Mom, I love you. I miss you. Every year, Snowball Express honors the children of fallen soldiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Orlando. Join me in proudly supporting Snowball Express, a nonprofit that creates opportunities to help heal the children of our fallen heroes. We can never repay the sacrifice our soldiers have made, but we can honor them by giving back to their children. Donate now at snowballexpress.org. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200-mile-per-hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle... Snuggle... I am so out of here. Wait... Come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. 
Northern Tool and Equipment. Telling the truth, the mainstream media doesn't want you to hear. Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. Again, here's Dan. And it's not just that they don't want you to hear. They want to replace everything you hear with what they consider to be their truth. You got your truth. I got my truth. We, everybody's got a truth. Well, the only reason or way that everybody has a truth is if it's the same thing. Truth lives in an absolute world. We just need to find a way to go live there with it, right? And instead, what are we, what are we seeing playing out here? We're watching some of the, quote, intelligent people, the most intelligent people on earth. That's what they tell us anyway. We're watching them and listening to them make the stupidest decisions about life for all of us. Very little of it, I mean, not one little bitty thing adds up. I was laughing at Gavin Newsom when we went to break. What was I laughing about? (laughs) They've got a deal. He put a deal together to entice companies to move their entire companies to California just because of abortion. He's another example. No idea about business. Doesn't have a clue. Been a hand-picked, coddled public servant since he was a kid. And these are the people they want us to think are going to govern this nation and do the best job. You remember back when the uh, Loudoun County mess at the school board, you remember when all that happened? Mayor Garland was in the middle of becoming the attorney general and getting established there. And that, um, that public statement, I don't know if it was a bulletin, if it was a policy or whatever, but he issued a memorandum that basically said the attorney general, the department of justice, the FBI is going to be watching parents that are threatening these school board members around the nation. And when he was called to testify before Congress, both in the House and the Senate, he testified on both sides and says, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. We are not going to investigate these parents. And he called them in, in, his, in his memorandum or whatever it was, he talked about domestic terrorism and domestic terrorists putting these parents in that box. Well, he said again and again under testimony, under oath, we're not going to do that. FBI's not going to do that. Guess what? A whistleblower. A whistleblower has come forward and revealed the FBI investigated these parents after Merrick Garland directed the agency to combat threats of violence against school board administrators last year. He issued that memorandum, and here's the sentence out of it that uh, I referenced just a moment ago. A disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff who participate in the vital work of running our nation's public schools. Threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. Garland wrote this at the time. Those who dedicate their time and energy to ensuring our kids receive a proper education in a safe environment deserve to be able to do their work without fear for their safety. 
He announced a 30-day plan that would have the FBI working with U.S. attorneys across the country to talk about strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and response. Now, very mysteriously, this memo came out less than a week after leaders of the National School Boards Association wrote Joe Biden a letter claiming that many public school officials are also facing physical threats because of propaganda purporting the false inclusion of critical race theory within classroom instruction and curricula. This propaganda continues despite the fact that CRT is not taught in public schools, which is a lie, and remains a complex law school and graduate school subject well beyond the scope of a K-12 class. That was in the school board association letter. In the months that followed, Rep. Jim Jordan from Ohio and Mike Johnson from here conducted an investigation into Garland's directive and the Biden administration's involvement in the FBI's conduct. Guess what they found? They found some disturbing facts. In a letter written to Merrick Garland yesterday, those two congressmen claimed that a whistleblower brought forward evidence alleging the FBI labeled at least a dozen of investigations into parents with a threat tag created by the agency's counterterrorism division to, quote, assess and track investigations related to school boards. They're doing it. They are spying on parents. The FBI is. Now, I got, I got to be honest with you. I know, I know a lot of people that listen to this show. And there are some women out there right now that are, I know they have been mad mamas for some of those that have kids in public schools right here in Louisiana. And when all this noise came out and was first exposed during the pandemic when parents that their places of business were shut down, kids were home doing school virtually, they were standing behind their kids' laptops and watching and listening to what was being taught That's when these parents went nuts across the nation going to these school boards saying, what in the heck are you doing with this paraphernalia in our classrooms teaching our kids all this stuff? And then they, just across the board, went into defense mode, critical race theory not being taught. It is being taught. There's no question it's being taught. There are people that are saying, yes, we're teaching it. Parents don't have the right to weigh in on that? Well, I guarantee you, the FBI certainly doesn't have the right to spy on the American people just because they're the FBI, just because Merrick Garland put the word out there as attorney general. You don't get carte blanche when you become an employee of the federal government. Your obligations to comply with all laws and the U.S. Constitution are the same as ours. You don't get a free pass. You don't. Merrick Garland, by the way, can be impeached. And if this whistleblower is bringing forth accurate information, that's exactly what needs to happen. Another thing that Garland is doing. Right now today, the pro-baby slaughtering protests, chanting and screaming that's happening right now 
outside the homes of six Supreme Court justices. They violate federal law, and Joe Biden's attorney general refuses to endorse the law. Here it is in black and white, 18 U.S. Code 1507. Picketing or parading. This is from the law, folks. Whoever, with the intent of interfering with, obstructing, or impeding the administration of justice, or with the intent of influencing any judge, juror, witness, or court officer in the discharge of his duty, pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the U.S. or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer or with such intent uses any sound truck or similar device or resorts to any other demonstration in or near any such building or residence shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than one year or both. I got to be honest with you. (laughs) That's pretty darn clear. Don't you think? It's a crime to protest in or near a building or residence occupied or used by a judge with the intent of influencing any judge. And yet, even though this is the law, hundreds of pro-abortion loonies are flagrantly violating this law by doing exactly that, protesting outside residences of six justices. And they're doing it in the hopes of persuading them to change their ruling. Now, it is a perfectly valid position to oppose the law, to see it as a violation of the First Amendment, to believe it is unconstitutional. As long as the protests are peaceful, why should we, the people, be restricted in our protest, right? It's also possible the ban on protesting near courthouses is unconstitutional, but that the ban on protesting near someone's house in a residential neighborhood is constitutional. The Supreme Court has upheld many restrictions on the time, place, or manner of speech. What's more, what's wrong with trying to influence a judge's ruling? But guess what? All of that, that's not the point here. The point is, and I'm going to do a Joe Biden whisper, make sure you listen closely. The point is, the law is the law is the law. You got that? (laughs) And it is Attorney General Merrick Garland's sworn duty to uphold the law, and he's not doing that. Why not? Well, does anybody doubt that Garland and the lawless White House that appointed him would like nothing more than to see the endless and the demonic slaughter of innocent unborn children to continue? Garland is pro-abortion. That's why he's not enforcing the law. It has nothing to do with principle. If it were pro-life protesters out there, you can bet your bippy garland would have already rounded them up and thrown away the key. Once again, it's plain to see that in this country, there is one law for people on the left and another law for people on the right. And what's the law for the people on the right? Well, it's determined only at whatever time it's appropriate by those on the left. They don't have to make it clear what the law is before they need to use one, right? (laughs) Nevertheless, according to the Constitution, the legislature writes the laws. The executive branch, uh, 
Mayor Garland's part of that one. The executive branch enforces that law, period. End of story. By not enforcing the law, Garland is violating his constitutional oath. It's not up to him to decide which laws he will and won't enforce. He's also setting a really terrible precedent by allowing this brazen law-breaking to continue. What's to stop future AGs from doing the same thing? It comes to this. If Garland disagrees with the law, the most effective way to see that law overturned is to enforce it. Arrest just might result in court challenges that kill the law, or it might result with Congress going into coming up with another law that changes that law that we just read to you. Some people blame Governor Glenn Youngkin for not enforcing the law. Well, unless the feds deputize the local police force there, a state government cannot enforce federal law. That's up to federal enforcement, which Merrick Garland oversees all of the enforcement of federal law. That is a fact. So you do know in that show vote yesterday in the Senate presided over by Vice President Kamala Harris, we, opening the show today, we gave you a summary of what was included in that bill, and it was it would take 60 votes in the Senate for it to continue on to be discussed and debated and maybe amendments and all that kind of stuff. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. Joe Manchin, Democrat Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia, joined every Republican who voted against it. Even Susan Collins voted against it. And so what's happened once again? Everybody on the left has gone postal, anti-Joe Manchin. The left losing it after Democrat Senator Joe Manchin sides with Republicans to vote against the Democrats' push to federally legalize abortion. Joe Concha joins us now. And Joe, here's some of the outrage. Quote, Senator Joe Manchin is a national tragedy. He's a corrupt Republican scumbag who doesn't give a damn about anyone but his donors. And then there's this one. Senator Manchin gets paid $174,000 a year to say, nah, it's pathetic. Joe, is it pathetic or is he voting the way his constituents would want him to vote? Well, currently, Joe Biden is polling at 18 percent approval in West Virginia. That's 40 points lower than Joe Manchin. Manchin actually is one of the most popular Democratic senators out there. If you look at his polling near 60 percent. So now it's abundantly clear, guys, who the most powerful Joe in the country is. And it ain't Joe Rogan <laughs> and it ain't Joe Burrow and it ain't Joe Pesci and it ain't Joe Piscopo uh, and certainly not Joe Biden. It's Joe Manchin. And, and poll after poll shows After you get beyond 15 weeks after conception, abortion becomes a far less popular option among voters. And and Democrats think this is a winning issue for them in the midterms, something to provide them that Hail Mary from that red tsunami that's coming. It's not. On the simple question of are you pro-life or are you pro-choice, the country is split right down the middle. This issue is a wash at best. And in West Virginia, uh, Joe Manchin opposing this only makes him more popular, guys. I find that when one argues, it is helpful to have informed arguments. It's important to have good information. Sometimes though, uh, people a little bit out of touch with reality. Here's what one of them uh, told us outside Justice Barrett's house. Watch. It's also possible that the fact that she is an adoptive mother 
is influencing her inability to see what it's like to carry a pregnancy to term. Okay, so Joe, there you have it. She didn't carry a pregnancy to term, according to that lady, except the fact that she carried five to term. Joe, isn't that <laughs> clip the yeah. perfect microcosm of so many of the arguments on the left, literally not just not based in reality, but completely false and a lie? Yeah, that, and that's the ecosystem that some of these folks live in. I mean, they, they, that person absolutely believed that what she just said was fact. She wasn't intentionally telling a lie. Uh, but overall, you know, uh, abortion, as we talked about uh, in this country, we're basically even dividedly, right? Uh, yet uh, you have a media that's portraying us as 75% pro-choice and 25% pro-life in terms of the coverage, where it's three to one pro-choice uh, voices getting uh, a say over pro-life voices. And I would imagine within the national media community. Remember, those who cover politics in this country almost entirely exist in two cities, New York and Washington. Those places is an ecosystem where it's overwhelmingly liberal. And if you were to poll newsrooms in those places, I would imagine that that 75-25 pro-choice to pro-life split is probably true. And that's the fishbowl. And therefore, that's the kind of coverage you're going to get that, yay, we're a real pro-choice country when, again, this is 50-50 yet. That's not the coverage that we're seeing. And that's not the news that some folks out there protesting are getting from most other outlets. Guys. Yeah, I also don't understand how carrying a baby to full term would be a pro-choice argument. That's it, why would that make you want to abort? That seems like a pro-life <laughs> stance. Uh, but you're right; it's like one of those things where after 15 weeks, uh, popularity for abortion just absolutely plummets. We hear these numbers that are bandied about by everybody on the left and everybody on the right about oh, more of the nation is pro-choice than pro-life, and we hear different numbers, percentages, I mean, that are all over the place. But you know what? If Roe v. Wade is overturned by this Supreme Court and the legality or the illegality of abortion is thrown back to the individual states to determine by their state legislatures, guess what? We'll know what the real percentages are of who and how many in America support pro-choice or are pro-life. We'll never know because the other is just from a poll. And you and I both know when polling is done, the way that questions are asked, not just the questions themselves, but the way, the inflection of the requester asking who and what these people believe on the matter, that is heavily responsible for the response that these people that are being polled are giving. We don't have any idea. My guess is it's somewhere right down the middle, 50-50, but I put it perfectly when I said, my guess is that. When it gets back to the states to decide, we'll know exactly what the people think. Novel idea, right? Now more than ever, you need the truth. Real news. Real truth. TNN. The Truth News Network. We may not.
not be able to lower the cost of gas, but we can do something about how many miles you will drive per gallon. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts store today and let us help you increase the performance of your car or truck. Simple things like replacing your air filter, changing worn out spark plugs, and using fuel injector cleaner can add up to better fuel economy and big savings. There's an O'Reilly Auto Parts store close to you that has the name brands, low prices, and people who can help. Restore lost fuel economy and eliminate rough idle with Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner. Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, buy two and get one free. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner quickly cleans clogged injectors to increase fuel efficiency and help your vehicle run smooth. Lucas Fuel Injector Cleaner, buy two, get one free at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supply. See store for details. song came out. I was a DJ at the time. Oh, you hear all that? I mean, it, it was, oh my gosh, dude, listen to that hard rock band. That's not top 40 music. We can't play that. This world, it's gone to pot with this crazy music. <laughs> That's what our parents said about us. What are we saying about the music our kids and grandkids are listening to? Don't answer that question. I know what the truth is. Let me point something out to you. Um, we we have watched and listened, oh, I mean, for months now, well over a year, watched and listened the insanity regarding all of the circumstances surrounding the 2020 election. Was there manipulation? There's no doubt in my mind there was. Was the manipulation sufficient to, by the changes that it instituted, make Donald Trump be the winner and Joe Biden not have won the presidency? We'll never know that answer. But there is no doubt there was a lot of irregularity in at least six states that that documentary, 2,000 Mules, identifies and gives you ad nauseum all the facts that justify that. Let me tell you what's ahead. In the state of Alaska, Alaskans next month are going to vote in a special primary election for the state's single congressional seat. And that, by the way, was left vacant by the death of Republican Representative Don Young in March. Young, who was the longest-serving Republican in the history of the U.S. House, was Alaska's sole congressman for 49 years. So the election to replace him in some ways is an historic event for the state. But... It's historic in another way. This election, primary election next month, is going to be Alaska's first ever statewide mail-in primary election. That is, there will be no in-person voting at all. Every single voter on the state's bloated and error-riddled voter rolls was automatically mailed a blank ballot. What else? There's not going to be any verification requirements for any of these mail-in ballots. Voters would just need to simply fill out all their ballot and have a witness observe, then sign the envelope. Alaska's Division of Election has explicitly said it will not verify the authenticity of the signatures on the ballots. This is really going to happen, folks. Normally, the process to vote by mail in Alaska you have to submit an absentee ballot application ahead of time. 
That includes a signature that can be used to verify the signature on the completed ballot. But not for this special mail-in election, which is already a chaotic and confusing mess with 48 names on the primary ballot and a new ranked choice voting process in place that will send the top four vote-getters from the primary to the in-person general special election in August, which is on the same day as the regular statewide primary election for the November midterms. Go figure. Any way you figure it, Alaska's special election is a freaking mess. But why should the rest of the country care? Because Alaska's insane statewide mail-in election is a template for how the left wants to run elections across the nation. Democrats and left-wing activists, they would love nothing more than to hold every election entirely by mail with this few safeguards in place to prevent ballot fraud. Alaska presents a unique and in some ways ideal test case for the left. For one thing, Alaska's voter rolls are a mess. As of 2020, voter registration was 118% of the estimated vote age population, meaning more registered voters than actual people who could vote. And this is getting worse in Alaska. In 2018, it was only 103%. Making matters worse is a 2016 Alaska law that automatically registers residents to vote when they submit an application for the state's permanent fund dividend. If you want to make an election less secure, you simply pair bloated voter rolls with mass mail-in voting, then strip all the safeguards and verification requirements from the mail-in ballots, which is exactly what Alaska has done. The state government's weak excuse for doing this is that because a special election has got to be held within 90 days of the vacancy, there simply wasn't time to hire and train 3,000 poll workers a standard in-person election requires. But even if you buy that, the state hasn't explained why it decided to conduct the mail-in election without any mechanism to verify the authenticity of the signatures on the ballots. That's not all. The special primary election next month and the special general election in August will be the first election cycle in Alaska that employs ranked choice voting. Alaska voters approved that in 2020. It's hard to imagine an election scenario more ill-suited to such a convoluted and confusing scheme than this special election. Why? Partly because voters are going to be choosing among an unheard a number of 48 candidates in the special mail-in primary election, and partly because the special in-person general election is going to take place on the same day, and perhaps even on the same ballot as the regular primary. The special election, by the way, is to choose someone to serve out the remaining months of Young's current term, the regular general election, is to choose the state's next at-large congressman. So somebody in Alaska piped up, Sarah Montalbano of the Alaska Policy Forum. In the Alaska Watchman said, that means the bifurcated ballot will have both a special ballot election chosen by ranked choice voting and a general 
primary election instructing voters to choose only one. She called Alaska's special election a perfect storm. And for anyone concerned about election integrity and fairness, it certainly is a perfect storm. But for anybody who wants to make elections as unsecure and as open to fraud as possible, what's about to happen in Alaska, it's the real deal, folks. It represents the institutionalization of the extraordinary changes to absentee voting in some states during the 2020 election, amid fears of in-person voting during COVID-19. Those changes, which got rid of nearly every safeguard for mail-in voting, were supposed to be temporary, necessitated necessitated by, you know, the pandemic. The The left, they never let a crisis go to waste which is why we're about to see an Alaska special election, a dry run for what Democrats would like to do nationwide. Use every trick in the book to make all of our elections less secure. Wow. There you have it, folks. That's a wrap on Thursday. It was full today, wasn't it? Well, it's going to be a full day tomorrow as we get set for the weekend. Don't you dare miss it. If you missed any of the show, grab it at any one of the places where you get your podcasts. Just search for TNN Live. Thanks you. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great one.
Remember.